Baptist down there. Praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. We're, uh, we've been uh, over the last, you know, several months, um, well, actually the whole year uh, concerning some of our services, been talking about restoration, the restoration of all things. Amen. How I many know oh, God's wanting to restore all things, make things right? Now, that doesn't mean He's going to bring it all back to the way you had it, but He's going to bring it back to the way it was designed to be, which means that's, that's even better probably than what you even had it. Amen? So God's wanting to restore. Now, what we did uh, in our Sunday services, uh, you know, several months back, as we shifted some things concerning restoration, started talking about uh, positioning ourselves, what will it take to position ourselves to walk in restoration of all things. And so we've been just uh, coming at it every week with a, a different, uh, different topic, different way. And what we started last week, is we were in Hebrews 13. And let's go back to Hebrews 13 today. Hebrews 13. And we're going to talk about uh, the blood of the Lamb, praise God, through the blood. Amen. And uh, we're going to read our opening text. I don't know how long we'll be on this. Uh, it seems like every time I dive into this subject, it just, man, it just unfolds more and more and more. It seems like, you know, if we could just stay here all day long and preach on this, maybe we'd get somewhere with it. <laughs> Amen. It didn't really go over real good. I just, you'd stay, would you? Okay. Yeah. If we had pizza brought in, would it help? Or, or maybe a little bit. John said a little bit. Praise the Lord. So Hebrews chapter 13, please. And we're going to go uh, to verse 20. Put that up on the board, if you will. Hebrews 13, verse 20. says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus uh, from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Verse 21, please. Make you, in other words, through the blood... Okay, so through the blood, He's going to make you complete. Everybody say complete. complete. Complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight. Amen. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's go back to verse 20 again, if you will. May the God of peace, and of course last week we, we kind of dissected this text uh, quite a bit, begin to look at the God of peace, and the word peace, of course, means wholeness or completeness, means bringing everything back into divine order. And so the God of peace, amen, the one that raised Jesus from the dead, right, through the blood of that everlasting covenant, words, through the blood of the Lamb, through the blood of Jesus, that everlasting covenant, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, in other words, the God of peace, through the blood of the Lamb, amen, is going to make you complete. Are you still hearing me? Verse 21. Amen. Make you complete in every good work to do His will. Now, the amplified of this, uh, verse 21, uh, says this, to make you what you ought to be and to equip you with everything good to carry out His will. Now, that's what's going to happen through the blood, amen, or by the blood or under the blood. That's a, uh, that word through there uh, is, is, as you look at that up, it's a, uh, we call it preposition. Am I saying that right? 
And uh, so, uh, you know, it's by the blood or through the blood or under the blood or, amen. Uh, we talked about last week about uh, pleading the blood, amen, and what that uh, refers to a little bit. And so, but everybody say, by the blood. Amen. Praise God. By the blood, it's going to make you complete in every good work. Now, I gave them the, 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 mess, or pardon me, the passion translation of that verse. Do you have that, Kathy? Amen. The passion translation. I don't know if I, maybe you don't have it. Okay, I wouldn't come up. All right, here's what the passion translation says about verse 21. It says this, that he, may, he, uh, may he work perfection into every part of you, giving you all that you need to fulfill your destiny. So in other words, through the blood, the blood of the everlasting covenant, He's going to work perfection into every part of you. That blood not only reaches into the heavenlies, but it also reaches down into the lowest part of mankind. I don't care if we're talking about uh, demonic oppression. We're talking about guilt or shame. We're talking about lack or poverty or sickness. That blood can reach into every area of our lives. Amen. So it reaches into every area. Amen. Or works perfection into every area. Hallelujah. Giving you all I love that. Giving you all that you need to fulfill your destiny. Amen. So we begin to dive into that last week. Uh, put uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 on the board real quick. Uh, it says this. Uh, uh, now may the God, this is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. May the God, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. In other words, set you apart completely. Making you whole, right? And may your whole Spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, please. He who calls you, hallelujah, he who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Praise God. Uh, who also will do it. There we go. Amen. So the bottom line is God wants to make you whole in every part of your body, every part of your life, I mean. Okay, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. You are a, you are a spirit. Amen. You, you live in a body and you possess a soul. Amen. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your mental faculties, all that's involved in there. Now, God wants to make you whole in every area. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. God wants to make you whole in every area of your life. Praise God. Amen. And sometimes, you know, especially as you get into this and find out, you know, there's some areas of your life that might be just working fine, and there's other areas that might need a little bit more work. Come on, smile real big at your name. Just smile at him. Just say, you know. Hallelujah. Amen. How I many know we all need some work, be, uh, work done on us a little bit? Amen? All right. Praise God. Uh, back to uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 13 again. Put uh, uh, that uh, verse 21 again. It says this, Making you complete in every good work, to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, made some statements last week. I'm going to make these, and then we'll kind of dive back into some things here. Uh, we need to be a people that believe more, here we go, believe more in God's ability to give than the, enemy, than the enemy's ability to take. Look at your neighbor and say, believe in God. You know, a lot of times religiously we say, you know, trust, you know, I'm, I'm trusting God here. Well, then let's do that. 
See, sometimes we talk about trusting God, but then we turn around and through your actions and through your words and through your attitude, you're, you're believing more in the enemy's ability to take you down than you, are enemies, than you are God's ability to take you up. All right? So let's believe more in God's ability to give than the enemy's ability to take. Let's believe more in God's ability to move you forward than the enemy's ability to hold you back. Let's believe more in God's ability to complete you than the enemy's ability to destroy you. Amen. Now that's up. We're going to do this by faith. Amen. Now the blood, hallelujah, has made a way. Amen. And the blood, amen, as we found out last week, is still working, praise God. Doing glorious things. Why? To make you complete in every area of your life. Praise God. Okay, with that said, we're in Hebrews. Let's back up here to chapter 9. We might read a couple verses uh, that we read last week, but we're going we're gonna to kind of take it in a different direction today. And so Hebrews chapter 9, please. Amen. You know, you get to diving into this and I just kind of, there was a couple times yesterday, especially as I was reading through all this, I was thinking, man, I think I just want to come up here and just read Hebrews. You know, just you get just so much in here, and so you try to take a piece of this and 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 try not to bite off too much at one time, and uh, so we'll we'll see how well that works today. Uh, but uh, anyway, verse. Uh, let's go to verse. What do I got? Verse twelve. Left. That's good. Verse twelve of chapter nine says this: Not with the blood of bo- uh, the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. Everybody say his own blood. With his own blood, he entered the most holy place. Right. Come on. Once for all. In other words, the price that he paid with his blood, amen, was only needed to be done one time. Amen. Now, the blood of, of, of goats and calves, all that's referring to, you know, under the old covenant, there was the sacrifice, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, to cover the sins of mankind. And they had to do it every year, you know. And uh, so, you know, all it could do is just basically cover sin in a sense. Uh, you know, it couldn't, it couldn't eliminate the sin problem. Come on, somebody. It wasn't for the full remission of sins, amen, that the blood of Jesus, uh, uh, the blood of Jesus uh, did. And so, you know, that's what he's kind of in the context of talking about, amen. This isn't the blood of animals, because if it was still, you know, I, I always kind of, you know, my mind kind of thinks certain things, and, I, you know, sometimes you think about, man, if it was still going on, you know, that we were having to, you know, offer up animals, you know, the blood uh, sacrifices for, for our sins, uh, we wouldn't have any animals on the planet. Couldn't quite keep up with it. You know, it just, just my own thought, but, uh, you know, we'd be down to dogs and cats. and anyway, No, no, just okay. Everybody just got nervous all the time. Amen. Hallelujah. But with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all. Praise God. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, praise ye the Lord. Once for all. Having obtained eternal, I love that. Everybody say eternal. Eternal. Having obtained eternal redemption, praise God. Now the word uh, redeemed or redemption refers to a deliverance from bondage. A deliverance from something that, uh, from a penalty that's owed, okay? It also means a deliverance uh, from a liability that's that's owed. Uh, Deliverance from uh, the possession of another. That word redemption is a pretty huge word. Now, under the Old Covenant, uh, the Scriptures, you know, uh, prophesied of a Redeemer coming. 
prophesied of restoration coming. And under the new covenant, we see the contract being fulfilled. The Redeemer did come, paid a price for you and me. There was a death. There was a burial. There was a resurrection. There was ascension. Praise God. The sending of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. The price was paid. Oh, somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So there was the fulfillment of these contracts, this blood contract, this blood covenant, amen, where a man came and paid a price with his own blood. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Paid a price for you and me and then opened up the door for the restoration of all things now. In other words, that blood is still doing what it's designed to do, praise God. Bringing, hallelujah, eternal redemption into every area of our life. Verse number 13, please. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, talking about these sacrifices, the sprinkling, uh, everybody say sprinkling, because that's going to be a word that comes up here in a bit. Uh, Sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. Verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, in other words, all the, the, the old covenant sacrifice, what they could do, it says how much more Shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, without spot or wrinkle, praise God, whole, hallelujah, no sin, clean, praise God, without spot to God, hallelujah, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Today we're going to talk about cleansing your conscience. Cleanse your conscience. Every area of our life needs to be made complete and made whole. I said every area, including your conscience. So cleanse your conscience from dead works. Why? Well, so you can serve the living God. So there's no hindrance. You can serve God like you should. There's a lot of people, and it's just, for whatever it's worth, you know, um, you know, for some, I'm probably, you know, considered just a young cub, but, uh, but you know, been in ministry for 30-plus years, and, and uh, this is a, a key area. I cannot tell you how many people only go so far in their walk with God because of this thing called a conscience. Cleanse your conscience. From dead works. Now, let's define a little bit here before we get any deeper with this. Um, so, here we go. Uh, conscience, okay. Sunadesis, uh, I think is how it's pronounced. It's the Greek word. And it just means a moral consciousness. It means a moral perception or awareness, okay, is how it's defined uh, on uh, just a, like a, a concordance. Okay, uh, if you look up the word conscience in uh, some of your dictionaries like uh, the Webster's uh, 1828 dictionary and uh, also even some of the newer ones, they all kind of have a little different spin on it. Uh, but it means, uh, to some, it's referred to as the inner sense, an inner sense of what is right or wrong, of one's conduct, motives, or affections. Okay, it also means the inner thought or the inner faculty of recognizing the distinction between right and wrong. All right? Now, that's how it starts. But the word's very clear that your conscience can hang you up. Come on, somebody. Uh, If things are done right, it works great. It does what it's supposed to do. Amen. You move forward. Amen. You have an understanding of right and wrong. 
Amen. But when uh, the word's very clear that uh, uh, you can even sear your conscience, it says. In other words, you can get so used to just, you know, bypassing it and ignoring it to the point that pretty soon you sear your conscience. Pretty soon you don't, you don't really care whether it's right or wrong or that kind of thing. And that's definitely not a place that we want to be. And today, that's not the area really I'm going to even talk about. I'm going to deal with some things about, you know, especially in believers, most of us are not thinking about what we can get away, uh, get away with. Hopefully, right. I mean, if, you, if that's you, then raise your hand and I'll pray over you personally. Um, but uh, most of the time, it's not that. It's other, other areas where our conscience is up hanging us up a little bit. And so these are the things we're going to talk about today. And it says here uh, to clean, uh, cleanse, or purge. I think uh, the old covenant, I mean, pardon me, the old uh, King James uses the word purge. I think is that word to cleanse or purge your conscience from dead works. Now the word uh, dead works here. Um, the word dead itself just means a corpse. Uh, the word works is referring to things done, deeds, doings, different things like that. Uh, but it, uh, it brings out a sense of uh, old things that are hanging you up. So he's talking about here, as you begin to define this, he's cleansing your conscience from those old things that should be dead. Those old things that should be buried. Those old things that should be under the blood. Those old things that have a tendency to somehow resurrect themselves when you wish they wouldn't. Come on, somebody. And then hang you up, and as a result of it, we don't move forward in God. We're not serving like we, like we have the capacity to serve or the potential to serve. Instead, now this stuff constantly tries to raise up its ugly head and dictate and control. Now, as you begin to dive into this, these dead works... A big part of it is a thing called self-condemnation. Shame, guilt, things that come up, stuff that should be already buried, should already be behind you, but for some reason it still wants to hang you up. It still wants to dictate. There are many people who won't move forward in their, in their life in God because of something that happened in their past. They feel limited uh, for whatever reasons, but usually, and in this particular area, it's talking about, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that's happening within yourself. It's not really talking about somebody else holding something over you, but it's talking about just in your own self, not being able to move forward because we need to get our conscience cleansed from all that dead junk. Just because you had a divorce don't mean you're done serving God. Just because something happened when you were raising your kids that you didn't care for doesn't mean you're done. Just because something didn't manifest like you were hoping, to, hoping it to manifest doesn't mean it's done. There are so many things in our, in our past back there that, you know, if we allowed it, pretty soon you're, you're not going anywhere because that thing is now trying to dictate to you through self-condemnation, through shame and guilt, trying to shut you down. Come on. Come on. <clears throat> Let's go to chapter 10, chapter 10 of Hebrews, and verse 19, please. <clears throat> We want to silence, if we can, silence the voice of self-condemnation. 
Has anybody made a mistake? All three of you. Wow. Let's try that one more time, uh, just for the benefit of, you know, just, you know, anyway. Is anybody in the house ever made a mistake? Uh, anybody, you know, done one recently? What'd you do? No, no. <laughs> now, we've all made mistakes. Um, have you ever had a, a, a mistake that happened, you know, even years ago, that every now and then still tries to, you know, the enemy tries to mess with your head with that kind of stuff? You know, we know um, that the, well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Let's, let's go to chapter 10. Let's, I don't want to get too far into this without, amen, reading something here. Uh, chapter 10, verse 19. I think we read part of this last week, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll read uh, some of this. Verse 19 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness or confidence to enter the holiest uh, by the blood of the Lamb. In other words, come to the throne of God, right? How, why is it you can be confident? Because of the blood, Right? Okay, uh, by a new and living way, which He consecrated, in other words, made a way for us, right, through the veil that is His flesh. In other words, He made a way based on what He did, the sacrifice that He made. Verse 21, and having a high priest, talking about Jesus, a high priest over the house of God. Everybody say, over the house of God. Which means He's he's now in control of that. He's the head over it. Which means He's the one, because of what He did and the price He paid now, is because of all that, He's welcoming you... Amen. There's nothing holding you back now. He's he's over the house of God. He's welcoming you now into that house, praise God, because he paid a price. Okay. Let us, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, here we go, that word again, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. All right. So we're going to dissect this verse 22 a little bit, but before we do, can, uh, do you have, is the passion, do you have that one, that, that reference, did that come up on your deal or not? Did it work? So the passion translation of verse 22, if you got it. Um, we were having a little issue with that earlier today. So, so uh, the passion, here it is. Okay, here's the verse 22 in the passion, okay? Uh, we come closer to God and approach Him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing, everybody say nothing, that nothing will keep us at a distance from Him. Amen. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood. In other words, the Scriptures are pretty clear that without the, uh, without the shedding of blood, nothing is, it, there's no remission of, of sin. It says everything, amen, is covered by the blood. All right? Uh, without having to go back and read all that out of Hebrews. Amen. Uh, but the bottom line is this. Amen. When, when they offered up a sacrifice, amen, at the time when they were offering up the blood of, of animals, everything got bloody. I mean, it was a bloody mess. Everything got bloody. Everything got sprinkled. Everything, because the blood was covering everything. And it's no different. The blood of the Lamb Himself, amen, is meant to cover everything, including your heart. Because it needs it. Well, why? Because your heart is, is, is known to condemn you. Why? Because you know you. <laughs> My heart ain't condemning you. Your heart's condemning you because you know you. You know what you were thinking a minute ago. 
You know what you did last week. You know that thing you fudged on. Come on, somebody. You know that thing, that area, that where that mistake was. You know. Come on. You know. Look at your neighbor and say, you know. See, you know you. And the word's clear in 1 John that, that your heart will condemn you, but God's bigger than your heart. Amen. Well, it says here, for our hearts have been sprinkled with blood. Why? Well, to remove the impurity. Well, why? Well, because there's impurity. We want every area of your life made right. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. And now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside now. Let's back up to the top of this verse. Um, I'm going to do it this way. We're going to use this. This is the Passion Translation. Actually, I'm really growing to love this translation. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, he says here that we come closer to God and approach Him with an open heart. We uh, come close uh, to God. Now, the New King James says, let us draw near to God, right? To approach Him, come near. Now, we know, uh, you know verse 19 of that same chapter says it's because of the blood of Jesus that we can have, be confident and come in. Amen. We know in uh, Ephesians uh, 2 and verse 13 says that even though we were afar off, but now we've been made near, we can, we've been brought near. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. In other words, everybody has a right to come into the throne of God. Everybody does. I said everybody does. This is the problem. Not everybody does. Most people don't. Why? Because their heart condemns them. Most people. Now, some people don't do it because they're ignorant, don't realize they can't. I get that. But I'm talking about the people that should know better. Come on, somebody. And they won't go in there because they're too busy being condemned, self-condemned. See, there's an accusing conscience. Well, let me tell you something. He made a way, the blood was shed to make a way so you could go all the way in and commune with the one who can make you whole. Well, I know better and I should. Whoa, 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 whoa. We get that. We understand that. And you shouldn't have done that. But Jesus paid a price so you could go all the way in. Blood was shed so you could go in and commune with God regardless of your mistake, regardless of your fault, regardless of the issue, regardless of your past. And we say this quite often, but you are not your past. You are not your mistake. You are not your fault. Are you hearing me? You are not that thing back there. Come on, somebody. You are who God says you are. Amen. And that's why, you know, He made a way for you. Come all the way in. Amen. Put uh, that verse back up again, the passion verse, please. We'll just leave that one up for now. All right. We come uh, closer to God and we approach Him with an open heart. Everybody say an open heart. Um, let's see, I think the New King James uh, uses the word a, uh, a true heart, is what mine says. Okay, this says an open heart, but it refers to a heart, a truthful or sincere or real or genuine heart. Amen. Meaning this, you have nothing to hide, there's nothing to hide. 
You come to God just the way you are. You ain't going to be able to hide that mess anyway. You know, the, the scriptures are pretty clear that, you know, man maybe judges everything by an outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God, God knows exactly what's going on with that thing. So he just says this. Listen, just come. Jesus made a way. Come on in. Come all the way in. Let's talk. But come in here real. Don't come here playing games. Come in here real. In fact, if you really want to get technical, Ephesians 6 with the armor of God, it starts with putting on a belt of truth or a belt of sincerity or realness. That's where it starts. If you ain't going to get real, you're an easy pick. If you're going to play games and you're just, you're just an easy pick for the enemy. So the first piece of armament is putting on a belt of truth, realness and sincerity. Amen. Come on now. Somebody said, well, I thought it was talking about the word. Well, that's what the sword is, which is the word of God. Amen. But it starts with realness, being sincere and real. Amen. And uh, you think about this, you know, all God's asking is you come on in. Let me help you, but be real. Don't be playing games. So he says, come closer to God and approach Him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from Him. Amen. Fully convinced. That's why, you know, with confidence, with boldness, come boldly. Come with confidence to the throne of grace. Why? To obtain that mercy and find that grace in time of need, praise God. Come with boldness and confidence. You have access, amen, by, uh, the word says in uh, Ephesians 3 and 12, that you have access, amen, unto Him, praise God. And it's through your confidence, through your faith, amen, you can come all the way in. He just says, listen, come to me. Amen. Come unto me. Come unto me real and come confident. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to, uh, to hang your head about. Just come all the way in and let me help you. Nothing, the scripture says, especially in Romans 8, amen, that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. So why not be confident? That doesn't mean you go in there all snotty and, and you, know, uh, you know, being a smarty pants and that kind of stuff. Come on, somebody. It just means you come in with some confidence and assurance that the God that you're coming and approaching right now will hear you. Amen. Do you want free? Do you want every area well? This is how it works. And the blood made a way for you. And it says, for our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity. And as I said earlier in 1 John uh, chapter 3, it says that, that our hearts will condemn us. But God is bigger than our heart. Praise God. Amen. Now, I'm just going to uh, throw this out there. You know, uh, in fact, I might have said this last week, but, uh, you know, sin, you know, making a mistake, walking in sin. And by the way, uh, uh, James 4 says that sin is to know to do good and not to do it. So when you're walking in sin, you know you're doing it. I mean, there are mistakes that you make you didn't have a clue. And sin is a mistake, but not every mistake is a sin. But sin, you know. Okay. Now, here's the deal. Sin doesn't give the devil ownership of your life. But it will give him place. And so there are consequences to sin. But that's why... You learn to repent. You learn to confess your sins. The Word said He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. Look at your neighbor and say, Praise ye the Lord. Look at your neighbor again and say, Put it under the blood. Now, we're not condoning sin. We're not ignoring sin. We're not justifying your sin. 
We're not somehow or another trying to, you know, act like, you know, uh, it's okay to do and live however you want. No, hey, what we're saying. But we're trying to tell you that if you want to get free in your life, the way to do it is spending time with Him. And there's been a way made for you. And if you continue to walk in sin, what happens is, here comes that open door now. The enemy has a foothold in there. And here comes this thing called shame, guilt, self-condemnation, all the stuff that will keep you out of the presence of God. Oh, you still with me? So our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. And now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. Okay, an accusing conscience. Um, New King James used the word evil conscience. Um, the word itself, um, evil, uh, means hurtful. Something that's hurtful means something negatively affected or something diseased. Now, um, when you begin to dive into this, in fact, even in some of your, uh, some of your studies of it, it brings out that it's not really referring to that your, your moral compass is off. Although it's not, we're not... We're not, you know, overlooking that, but it's referring to something that's going on on the inside that's affecting it in a negative way, which then affects your whole walk. And so when, when the Passion Translation used the word accusing conscience, it's like it all clicked, because that's exactly what it is. It's in there diseasing your conscience. It's in there somehow negatively affecting your conscience. Your own conscience is, through self-condemnation, is shutting you out of the presence of God. Shutting you out of the one that has your answers. Keeping people from serving to the potential and the capacity that they have in God. Uh, In chapter 9 again, it said, you know, to, to, uh, uh, what was it, how did he word it? To, um, let's see, to cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And here he's said that you've been freed from an accusing conscience, an evil conscience, all right? So you've been freed from an accusing conscience. So what I want to do uh, with the remainder of our time here, I want to talk about this accusing conscience. That according to the Word, amen, it says that you could be cleansed from it. Okay? So, uh, first thing, uh, when you start talking about the voice of self-condemnation, one of the biggest things that hangs you up is a thing called shame. I want to talk about shame. Do we have uh, definitions? None of them turned out, huh? You, you do have that one. All right. So, amen. So, the word shame, put that one up on the board, if you will, if you have it. You say you do or you don't. That's the one you don't have. That was the most important one. Anyway, all right. So shame. Here we go. Shame is this, is defined as this. One of the definitions is the sensation or the perception of failure in the eyes of another. Doesn't mean that they're all looking at you as a failure, but you've perceived it. And in your own senses, and your own sensation, you're self-condemned because you assume everybody else sees you as a failure. 
Now, there might be people out there that think you are. I don't know. But I have found that most of the time, nobody's thinking that. You're the only one thinking it. And you feel ashamed. You feel shame because you're not measuring up. So shame, then, it becomes that voice of, of self-condemnation to shut you down. You can't even move forward in God because you're too, you're too riddled with shame. Your own conscience is accusing you of being a failure in the eyes of everybody else. Let me, uh, the word condemned, okay? So when we're talking about like self-condemned, let me just go ahead and do we have that one by chance? Okay, condemned. Well, you're going to see a thread through all these. Because we're talking about cleansing your conscience. We're talking about, uh, uh, praise God, of, of the, uh, you know, your heart being sprinkled, amen, bringing in purity and driving out that evil, accusing conscience, amen. This, this condemn means consciousness of guilt or wrongdoing, feeling less than or worthless. So shame, because of a, maybe a mistake made, because maybe you just didn't quite do things right. Maybe you, maybe you, when you, you first got into that marriage, you just didn't know what you were doing. And we're not excusing problems, but I'm just saying that sometimes, you know what? If, if everybody, if not, if not everybody is jumping on board doing the God thing, we're, we're probably going to have some pressures. And so there's going to be things that happen. Now, I, I don't make a lot of mistakes. <clears throat> When I'm up on the pulpit. No. I made a few of them too. <laughs> but you know what? We're all around one another. And we might think, you know, maybe, maybe we're trying to do our best and serve God and trying to, you know, but then you're alongside people that maybe ain't quite seen it that way. And so it creates a tension. And pretty soon you're doing, you're saying, you're reacting, you're responding And the enemy is so good at it. You know, Revelations 12 tells us that, uh, that he's the accuser of the brethren, so he's really good at it. And the Word also says that the first way to overcome him is with the blood of the Lamb. Why? Because here comes the accusation. Now, here's how the enemy works. The Word says don't be ignorant of his devices. And all that word devices means, if you could break it down, it just means this, head games. He's a head tripper. Head games. Okay? So what he does... Through a, through a course of events, convinces you it's okay to spew whatever you want out your mouth, do whatever, react, respond, do this, do that, do that. And as soon as you do it, he turns around then and starts pointing his finger at you going, I can't believe you did that! And you call yourself a Christian! That's how he works. That's head games. Amen. That's how it works. So, what happens? He does it enough pretty soon... Here comes now this accusing conscience. When you're supposed to move into God and serve God, you can't serve God because all you can see is where you come up short. So the whole time you're supposed to move forward with your gifts, your callings, fulfilling what you're designed to do, but you won't do it because you're too busy identifying with your fault. 
We become conscious more of our guilt, more of our wrongdoing, more of our uh, less uh, fallen, I was going to say falling short, so that just doesn't sound right. But anyway, uh, you know, these areas in our life, hey man, that don't quite line up like they should. We have a tendency then to be self-condemned. And we don't enter in. Thinking we're not worthy or something. Or we're just trying to avoid it. Listen, I know people deal with this. Even when I get up here and preach, all of a sudden about the time you get on a certain subject, everybody has to go to the bathroom. That's the truth. They hide in the hallways or whatever. And, you know, because, you know, their conscience in a sense is, oh, I got to go to church. But, but, you know, we get on these certain things, pretty soon they're fidgety and everything's. And next thing you know, they're, you know, pulling out on you. Now, just because they're in the hallway don't mean they're all doing this. I'm just, amen. It's just the point. You just, it's how, this is the tendency. The enemy plays head games with you. Do I have any more of those? How about guilt? Do I have guilt? Put guilt on the board. Here's guilt. Here's guilt. Okay. A painful sensation. <laughs> A painful sensation of an old debt. Contract. Contracted by an offense or a fault. In other words, you did something, and now you feel obligated that you have to make that right, and you're constantly riddled with this feeling that i got to make that right somehow. And it's like the guy that says, you know, I got myself into this mess, and I'm going to get myself out. Now, that's ignorance gone to seed. You got yourself in that mess, so why not just say, Lord, help! I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Under the blood, praise God. Father, I thank you. Crop failure on those words. Hallelujah. But due to guilt, all of a sudden now you're trying to fix something that was already fixed. Let me, just, let me just bring this up. Um, the more time you spend in the presence of God, the easier it is to change your life. If you're out here trying to, you know, live by a bunch of do's and don'ts, well, you know, i got to do this, and i got to do that, and then all of a sudden then the preacher started talking about walking in love. Oh, yeah, great. Right? <laughs> See, pretty soon you're starting, what you've done is you pulled yourself under the law, and it's only a matter of time, and here it comes, because nobody in their own strength and their own ability can live this in their own power. And so you, it's inevitable. Here comes guilt. Here comes condemnation. Here comes shame. Because it's inevitable, because you can't do it on your own. But the more time you spend with Him and let Him work this thing out. Let Him bring wholeness. Let Him complete you. You might be amazed at how fast you can change. And by the way, some of you need to change. See? But if you're going to do it in your power, it's, it's inevitable. Here comes the guilt. Because you're not going to measure up. You're going to beat yourself up because you can't quite do the list. 
That's why it says you're no longer under the law, but you're under grace, a divine influence. And, and grace, listen, when you see, this is the same thing. Grace is, the word defined is a divine influence upon your heart, and then it's reflection in your life. So the more time spent with Mr. Divine, the more divine influence happens in your life, then that can be reflected in your life. So what it is, is you come into the presence of God, the more you hang out with Him, the more He influences you, the more your life changes, it just reflects off you, amen. And you, didn't, you think, well, how did that change? How did that happen? How did that? Ain't God good. Look at your neighbor and say, put it under the blood, will you? Let's see. Do we have another one? What's, what do I got? I got a couple more, right? How about this? Embarrassment. Remember, this is all stuff that attaches to shame. Embarrassment means perplexed, okay, confounded or confused. Why are, why are you confounded? Why are you confused? Why are you perplexed? Because you're entangled in self-awareness. You're more concerned about how you look or how everybody's perceiving you, and you're, just, you're kind of all wrapped on you, and, and we could probably do a whole sermon just on that one. All right, but the bottom line is this, because you're all weaved into self-awareness to the point, anybody that does that, I'm guaranteeing you, you're going to be viewing and seeing all your flaws, all your things, and that's why you are embarrassed, even though everybody else didn't even think of that. Most of the time, nobody's even thinking about you. We just assume everybody had a conversation about me at dinner last night. We just assume everybody, you know, before they laid their pillow on their head, probably cussed us out because they don't like us. You're just entangled in self-awareness. And what happens now, it's just another ploy of the enemy that you need to put under the blood. No need for embarrassment. Come on, somebody. Gosh. I mean, man, some of you made some huge mistakes. But who hasn't made mistakes? Who hasn't come up short? Who hasn't opened their mouth when they shouldn't have? Or didn't open their mouth when they should have? See, it isn't even always, you know, we always think it's just dealing with bad. I mean, we, somehow, you know, we start, because it's all about self-awareness, we start thinking that's when all the comparisons start happening. We compare, we look at you and look at me. Well, I'm better than that person. Okay, that's good. No, it ain't. You look at the next guy go, oh, I don't measure up. Oh. So then you say, okay, I'm going to hang out with this guy because I feel better because I'm better than that person. That's how it works. And we just think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm better than, than this group. So I, I feel okay about myself now. Because you're self, so you're entangled in self-awareness. But you go over to this group and you feel less than because you, you're maybe not walking like they're walking and talking like they're talking and acting like, and, you know, so you feel uncomfortable and fidgety and, and you're all embarrassed thinking that, oh, they're, you know, they're probably thinking me right now that I'm an idiot and I'm, I'm just such a, oh. God had to deal with me on that. Hello. Get, you know, I've had the privilege of being in the presence of some great people. 
And so I'm standing in their office or standing in their house or in their jet. And you're just like. What if I say something wrong? I bet they're looking at me right now thinking I'm such a tingling. <sighs> they asked you in their jet. They asked you in their house. They asked you to their office. They asked to come to your church. They asked to hang out with you. <laughs> what? Well, you're entangled in self-awareness, dude. Stop comparing yourself. Just be who you're called to be. Come on, somebody. Are you still with me? Oh, let's try another one. Oh, Ooh, this is a whew. regret. Remember, this is still all attached to stuff like shame and, you know, self-condemnation. Regret. Anybody ever had regret? Remorse? Sorrow or grief of a fault. It means the pain of mind, I love this, or conscious, or, or uh, yeah, uh, pain of mind or conscious, but it means consciousness of a fault. Do you notice they're all kind of all deal with, you know, somehow connected to your conscience? But see, what happens is these kind of things, see, they start dictating and they dis-ease your conscience. It becomes now an accusing conscience. Instead of your conscience doing what it's designed to do. Now you can't even go anywhere and do anything because you're too busy. You're, you're more self-aware of everything. Listen, you, you have no reason to regret. Who hasn't, you know, you know, messed up something back there? There's no reason for regret. Put it under the blood. Put it under the blood. I have business transactions that I wish I would have done and some I wish I wouldn't have done. And if you don't watch it, you fall into regret. Things I should have said or didn't say that I wish I would have said. Come on, somebody. Regret. Oh, I wish, I wish when they were six years old I would have done this instead of that. Regret. Oh, my relationship would be better if I wouldn't have done so much of this and did more of that. <sighs> regret. And in the meantime, that regret now is dictating your next move. Instead of putting it under the blood, that embarrassment's dictating your next move. Instead of putting it under the blood. That condemnation is dictating your next move instead of putting it under the blood. Give me the 2 Corinthians uh, 5 and 17. Put that on the board. If anyone is in Christ. Is there anybody in here in Christ? Yes. I mean, anybody really in Christ in here? I mean, anybody born again in this house? Does anybody in this place know Jesus? All three of us. Let's try that again. Anybody know Jesus in this house? Well, then guess what? You're a new creation. Creation. It means new species of being. Some of you are true aliens. It's literally what it means. You're an alien. You're, you, might be, you might be on planet Earth, but you're not of planet Earth. 
You're just here for a short visit. So you're a new creation. And then it says, old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now, it goes on to talk about, you know, the ministry of reconciliation, and all that means is restored fellowship with God. God made a way, amen, which means that this verse gets updated constantly. That isn't just a one-time deal for you. Now, he paid a price once for all, but this is an ongoing thing. Because the more you are in him, the more that new creation unfolds. The old man falling off, the new man coming on, amen, which means old things passing away every day. Hallelujah. It's like dandruff. my gosh no <laughs> it's like let it fall off don't worry about it let it fall off why because behold all things all things all things have become new well but not this area. all things and it goes on to say that those all things are of God. It goes on to say that you're, amen, the righteousness of God. Because Jesus paid a price, amen, became your sin. The great substitute took it upon himself. Why? So that you could come into a place of right standing with God. You're now an ambassador. called to planet earth to be an ambassador some days I didn't feel like it and there were even a few days I didn't look like it but the more I got in him the more I trusted in him amen the more he began to modify me change me adjust me praise God where all the old things begin to fall off and everything else now starts becoming new it's an ongoing thing I've never figured out why you let yesterday or yesteryear or yesterdecade be the thing to dictate your tomorrow. Well, I blew it so much. Well, it's a good thing there was a lot of blood being slung. And to whom is forgiven much? More of that love, amen. You ought to just look at it that way. My God covered every area in my life. Why not go all out for Him? Now, uh, at Hebrews 9 and 14 again, um, just say this in closing. Um, cleansing. Every time these things try to, every time these things try to spring up, that's just another area that needs cleansed. Put it under the blood. You start feeling guilt, put it under the blood. Start feeling condemnation, put it under the blood. Start feeling shame, put it under the blood. Start feeling embarrassed, put it under the blood. 
You start feeling the, you know, this uh, regret, start putting it under the blood. You're going to have to do it. Cleanse your conscience from this mess. Amen. Are you still with me? Even though your heart's condemning you, God's bigger than your heart. Amen. Let God do what God does. Let God heal. Let God deliver. Let God complete you. He completes me. <laughs> Never mind. I'll leave it alone. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got to get spiritual here now. Oh, God's good. Yeah. Amen. Look at your number and say, put it under the blood. Praise God. Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand up? Let me pray over you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just don't know where there's a stopping ground with this stuff. You just keep going. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you that through the blood of the everlasting covenant, you are making us complete. Every area of our life, every area of our being, being made whole. And as we talk today, even our conscience, even our heart, hallelujah, made well and whole, cleansed and purged. Amen. So, Father, we thank you that we can come with confidence and boldness unto you at any time. That no matter what's going on, we know to run to you and not from you. We know to go to you and not to anything else. We know to move into you and not hide from you. Hallelujah. And I give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Look at your neighbor and say, put it under the blood. Praise God. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.